motion man and fake it to him. A work he sets up. Felton Davis in zone. Diving pass. Touchdown, Michigan State. From WDBM East Lansing, you are listening to Spartan Red Zone, the student voice of Michigan State football. This is the source for the best analysis, updates, and much more for Spartan football. SRZ back at you. Ryan Collins in the host chair alongside Aiden Hunt, Alex McRae, and special guest again, Nathan Stearns. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. We had to have you back after your 0-7 performance in oh, the pick Oh, that was horrible. That was bad. <laughs> I give myself too much credit. I think I know more than what I do. Uh, no, you're fine. We had to have you back. I watched it. Nathan Stearns back, but... Alex McRae, Aiden Hunt, both made the trip to Michigan to cover the game. I win as a fan. I'll say this. My experience of, like, Michigan Stadium, cool place. It, it, it definitely has, like, some character with, like, the brick and stuff. It truly is a hole, just like a hole in the ground. They got to knock off, like, 15,000 seats in that stadium. It's way too tight. Way too tight. I don't know how you, like, you get one, like, you get one little sliver of crack, you're having back issues for the next week and a half. But not a bad place to watch a game all in all. You know, our experience in Ann Arbor was, I think, a little different. Definitely. Had, I, mean, uh, I could assume. An interesting, an interesting trip to get there. Uh, an interesting trip parking-wise. We weren't giving a parking <laughs> pass. Uh, we weren't given a parking pass, so we had to walk about a mile and a half with all the equipment. That was a ton of fun. And then once we got into the press box, the food selection they had was actually pretty good. I'm not going to lie, but the timing I had just made me so upset. And it didn't necessarily have anything to do with the Michigan facilities. I just missed every single meal. I missed breakfast. I only got to have a bowl of cereal. And then I completely missed lunch. They had cereal there? They had like little mini like plastic bowls of cereal. What type of cereal? I had like cinnamon. They had cinnamon toast crunch? It wasn't cinnamon toast crunch. It was like... Cinnamon, like, <laughs> Frosted Flakes or something like that. Those are pretty solid, too. I mean, they, what? It, it cinnamon, was, Frosted Flakes, what a random thing to have. I know. It, 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 it was weird. But when we got, like, the food, it was it was fine. Like, it was yeah. it was good enough. Were you, were you at the Spartan Stadium food, which is bottom tier, if I might say? So I, I'm, I'm going to give the, the advantage to Michigan Stadium easily. Yeah, but the thing was, when they ran out of food at lunch, they didn't have any refills. That's the only stadium I've ever seen run out of food for their press box. There's a lot of people I, in that I was, box. I was telling you guys, though, I, 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 we, we talked about food last week. We're, we're starting to get to, like, the old, like, journal, like, they don't have Pepsi in the machine right now type of guys where we're like, hey, we're, we're too high and touty to go buy our own meals, right? Yeah. I'm not too picky. I had a fine experience. I was, frankly, underwhelmed by the big house. I think the- It's quiet. Yeah, the architecture really does not do any favors yeah. for him. All the sound travels straight up in the air and doesn't yes. meander in the stadium. Though I will say, I, I was people at Michigan were very nice to me. The people I sat around, I, I didn't have like any problems with that as a person who was wearing Michigan State gear. The one thing, like my buddy who's been with, like I was sitting next to a Michigan fan and a guy who's like neutral, and he goes, "I was like, oh, is the runout part pretty cool?" And he goes, "Not really. There's like no environment. It's so weird. Like they have a cool intro video and then they run out and you're like." That was that was yeah. nothing. I mean, to so, be, sorry, I cut Han off. You oh want yeah, to say something? the only 
bad experience I had was post-game, trying to get to Mark D'Antonio's presser, I was given the wrong directions by four different big house employees. It was probably better than what happened at Wisconsin when we were just walking around the stadium for like six hours. That that, that did happen too. So Luke Sacone and I missed most of Mark D'Antonio's press conference. Well, he he said basically the same things he always says after a 44 to 10 loss. But Yeah. There's one more thing I want to talk about here about the press box. Michigan's press box, where I was forced to sit because there wasn't a seat assigned for me, so I had to sit in the relatively unassigned seat section, that's where they put all their boosters. And there's one announcement before the game. There's one announcement, one rule for the press box, and that's don't cheer. Throughout the entire game, there were people to the right of me cheering very actively and they they barely even attempted to repress it and it was very annoying when i'm trying to write when i'm trying to take notes on what's going on and they're just sitting here cheering about brian lewerke's interception it was it was very irritating i bet you would have enjoyed it if michigan state was winning just because it would have been quiet yeah no no it would have, it would have been quiet they would be they wouldn't be quiet they'd just be yelling and cussing and be funny then but i don't know I mean, that's what that's the problem. We're a radio station, so every time they give us credentials, they just assume we're helping with the broadcast, and they forget to give us like seats sometimes. So I don't know. Yeah, whatever. That, that's the thing on our credentials. It it all for each and every one of us. It said photo deck, not yeah. press box. Yeah. Well, Michigan, decent of our Stearns has been to a couple of games, right? I've been to a couple. I, I went more to their spring day spring yeah. game than anything else. I did go when they played Colorado a couple of years back. That was the year that they. Ended up going to the shoe and losing in double overtime when yeah. Curtis Samuel had that double reverse. It was nice, but it wasn't anything to write home about. No, it's like it's one of those places where like, it's cool that I did it once. Probably will never go to a game again. No, it's no. Like, it, it, and it's like not anything to say against like the big house. It's just like it's cool. It's they, just like it's like it's something I would rather. I would be like. It looks better on TV, honestly. Oh well, yeah, it's portrayed to be the mecca of college yeah. football, and it's good, but it's not. It's not all it cracks up. Yeah. To be. The comparison I would make, I think Michigan, the big house, is very much comparable to Yankee Stadium. I've never been to Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium is very meh. I mean, it, it's a cool, it's the cool thing, because you're in say, Yankee Stadium, but outside of that, it's just, it's another baseball I don't, stadium. I will not say big house is meh. It's cool. It's like cool, the first, but it's one of those things where it's like, Wow, it's not like something that sweeps you off your feet, like the Rose Bowl. Then when I went to when I went to Rose Bowl, I was like, "This is the this is the coolest place on God's green earth." Like the the mountains are like whatever. I get we're not in Southern California and the weather's perfect, but I I, I was like, I was like maybe I, I would be blown off my feet, but no, it was a good experience. I will say this: Michigan security into the games, my God, maybe the weakest security I've ever seen. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. You see people just pulling out fireball flasks from their pants right when they walk in. The guys are just like, the security guards are looking the other way. I I, I didn't feel safe walking in that stadium. I was like, this is unbelievable. I, it was unbelievable. I, I As a student at that university, I, I can assume they are, the student section is filled with a lot of alcoholic beverages. It, yeah, it was insane to me. There was one person checking like everyone in this small line. They're like, you're good. You're good. It's like that one on meme with the old guy who's checking people in, but he's like blind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was so fun. Yeah, other than that, it, we it, let's talk about the rest of college football. <laughs> we had a very different experience. Yeah, very different, very different. But uh, start off Oklahoma just at like ruins the Chip and JoJo game. 
By the way, whoever said on the podcast that uh, Chip and Joanna are fake, my sister was very offended. As she should be. Yes. I mean, she said she did, She said whoever said that, tell them to read their book. It was either Bach or it was it was McCray. Yeah. Well. Also, I have read their book. Yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have, yes. Yeah. Good book. But, also, uh, I gave uh, Joe's uh, Joanna. I call her Joe. We're on a first name basis. I gave somebody a wedding gift. Um, her um, cookbook. As a wedding gift. Oh, that's a good gift. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like every son's their mom's like Christmas gift. Like here, here's a Joanna Dean's cookbook. Cookbook, excuse me, but whatever. Oklahoma just spoils the party. Baylor looked pretty good for a half, and then all the wheels came off the track. I, that sucks if you're a Baylor fan. Like that just rips your heart out. But Oklahoma, they're both teams are making the playoff. I think yeah. I, what that game just showed you is just like Oklahoma only moves up. I think one spot after beating Baylor on the road. So I, I don't think there's a lot of respect for the Big 12. I think the biggest news out of college football, maybe NFL for a little bit, is Tua dislocates his hip. Done for the year. You got a concussion, a broken nose on the same play, I believe. But, I mean, they, there's people saying that this could be like a career-defining injury, and there's people that are saying he's going to make a full recovery. So there's specul- like people are speculating what the injury really is. But I, I think the really interesting thing is I also I think Alabama – unless like Matt Jones becomes Cardell Jones, like this Alabama season's probably over. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think outside of the SEC championship game and the Ohio State Penn State game this week, the college football playoff is set. I think yeah. I think Clemson's in. They I mean, because who are they gonna lose to? Yeah. I think LSU is in. I think Ohio State, if they take care of business, is in. I it's no, but uh, it, it's a very boring landscape in college football right got, now. I think you got to look at that. They're not going to let a two loss Georgia in. So if Georgia loses in the SEC championship game to LSU, do you assume Oregon gets in if they win the Pac twelve? I I'd Pac twelve champ probably. It's a, but yeah. I don't know because people aren't liking Utah going to the to the playoff. People like Oregon, but if Oregon loses to Utah, people don't want to put Utah in. At, at the same time, though, I think they're ha- going to have to. And the interesting thing to me is yeah, like, who else are you going to put in? Alabama? I mean, yeah, that's the thing is that people would rather them put a Tua list Alabama than a a a one loss Pac twelve champion Utah. I think that would be disingenuous to the to the format that they have. Isn't yeah, it? It, it w- I I truly believe whoever wins the Pac twelve at this point is going to the playoff. But I, I I will say this before we get on talk about like the playoff and you you see anything you didn't like or did like. I, I the Tua injury, like I, how it affects the draft and who comes out and who stays in college this year, is interesting to me. Because Tua was the presumed number one pick for a lot of this year. I get that like Joe Burrow was making his way up and becoming like maybe QB one. Now he is since Tua's like injury, and I hear he's like the third or fourth QB off the board on some people's like draft boards because they there's just so much uncertainty with this injury. Yeah. It's very interesting to me where he falls. Yeah, no, I think there's a long time before the draft. They say he will resume football activities in three months. Yeah, we'll see how he looks in three months, and then that's when you can get a more accurate picture of where Tua is going to go. I think Tua was off to a historic start this season against some relatively weak competition, but. His mechanics are there, his his size is there, his speed is there. I think he can be a productive quarterback in the NFL if this hip injury doesn't affect him, and I don't really think his draft stock should fall 
that much. I think he won't be maybe a top 10 pick, but he, he'll be worth a first-round pick if he's healthy. No, but that's the thing. You look at this draft, and I, I, I think Miami needs a quarterback. I'm trying to—I I can't— Cincinnati. Really, Cincinnati. Cincinnati needs a quarterback. Desperately. Chicago. Miami. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, that's like that's what I'm saying. You're going to see I'm very interested who will take Tua. Because if they're not going to take him, if Miami or like Cincinnati's not going to take him at one, well, how how does he fall and like when do you pick him? Well, Mi- Miami has three first round picks, so they I know can they pick could him take whatever. Yes, yes, pretty much. I think I think Cincinnati, if they're not going to take Chase Young with that one, because I, I think, think do they have two? I think they have two first rounders through this year. I th- I don't know if they have two, but I I would Assume, wager that yeah, they would pick Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Yeah. Number one? It depends on whether Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, what they do for the rest of the season. I think Justin Herbert is a guy that people will project very highly. I think he'll probably work out very well. And if he makes it to the college football playoff and has a good showing, I think he could even jump Joe Burrow. Okay. But uh, other than that, do you guys see anything in the college football playoff that, like, interests you? I'm not, I mean, it was kind of a meh week. Like, uh, Stearns, you got any, any takes on Clemson or, like, LSU? Nothing that shakes the landscape, no. But if we go back to the Tua injury for a second, let's wait until the combine. Let's wait until Alabama's pro day before we get all up in arms. Because you're, I mean, what, late November right now? He should be ready by February. To start throwing again, to start if if we're going three months out from the state, he'll be fine. Is he he's a junior, right? Yeah, he's a junior. He could still technically stay, but at this point, with his injury history, do you want to risk another injury yeah. in college, not making any money? I think he leaves. I think that Stearns is hitting the nail right on the head. I think a lot of these projections now are just reactionary to saying, "Oh, well, this is Bo Jackson injury." Well. There were some complications with Bo Jackson, and that he was also on it. it was yeah. also thirty years ago. Yeah. So let's let's pump the brakes on that. Medical uh, medicine has advanced quite a bit since Bo Jackson ended his career. Now this might sound like a stupid question, but does Tua being left-handed hurt his draft stock? I don't yes. think so. Yes, you think so, Colin? It hurts my draft stock because I don't believe in left-handed quarterbacks. And that's the thing is the game. Your offense is completely flipped when you watch it. It's a very dumb person move by me. It's ever since I saw Mark Brunel play quarterback in the NFL, I was like, that guy stinks, and I don't like the left handed quarterback. But there ever. are some legitimate concerns. The, the spin of the ball, your right tackle is now your, your most important blocker, not your left tackle. That's going to throw the offensive line off a little are bit. You being, are you having this serious take right now? No, th- I'm being serious. Okay. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just saying, like, we've looked at how many left-handed quarterbacks has it worked out for them in the past. Matt Leinart was projected to have an you know, all-pro Hall of Fame career, and he lasted, what, three, four seasons? I mean, you looked at, like, Kenny Stabler, Mike Vick. Um, Kellen Moore. Steve Young. Steve Young, yeah. There, I mean, I, I heard on PMT, you heard Jerry Rice like, talk about how it took him, like, a year to get used to Steve Young. It's like spiral. I get that. But I, I don't know. I don't, it's kind of hard to project. As like a weird gut guy like I am, I don't like lefties. Just something about it. It's up in ba- le- lefties in basketball and baseball. Great, love a smooth lefty. Lo- lo- love a guy <laughs> who's at, like go over his right shoulder, lefty hook shot. The counter to Hunt's point, though, is if you can get your receivers used to a left-handed throwing quarterback, how are the DBs going to be right? Because that's not something they've seen before. Yes, that's something that could you could it. use to an advantage. We're we're doing we're getting so deep into this left-handed quarterback like scenario. I love it's a it. thing. It's I. It I, is I, a thing. There aren't batters, that many batters in in baseball need to be prepared to to look at the breaking ball of a lefty versus a righty as completely. No, I know. Different. I I know. I know. 
I just don't see it as that big of a deal. But whatever. Before we start talking about the Michigan State game and all the fallout after that, Big Ten West, kind of interesting now. I mean, I, I would get some win against Minnesota. I, Wisconsin takes care of business in Lincoln. And Illinois, like, if they win out and I think they get a little bit, there's like four teams that could possibly win the Big Ten West still. I mean, that's kind of what we expected. We didn't expect the teams to be this good, yes. but we expected it to be this competitive. So I, I, I'm I'm glad that the Big Ten West is competitive again. I'd still like to see Minnesota come out of it. Wisconsin, I mean, they're, they're still a good team. I still believe that Wisconsin is a competitive football team and doesn't get the respect they deserve because they did just get shellacked by Ohio State. But what team really won't at this point? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I thought that was – I was like, oh, Illinois could still – because you saw Lovey Smith at his press conference. That's what he was telling those guys. Say, hey, we could still win the West. Imagine an Illinois-Ohio State Big Ten championship game. 75 to nothing? Oh, boy. That would be hilarious. Oh, but it, it would be it would be, <laughs> it would be hilarious just like it was on Saturday in the big house. Just hilarious. Just laugh out loud. 44 to 10. Spurns it absolutely trashed by the Wolverines. Lose her fifth straight game. I, you look at the stat. Not there's like no stats you even like talk about in this game for the Michigan State Spartans. You got Brian Lewerke, who's 17 for 30, 166 yards, one TD and two INTs. I will say this: Brian Lewerke played very, very good in the first half. Yeah, comparing that his brain's a scrambled egg right now no, because he's got a concussion. But Dan or er, is uh, won't admit it. Oh, Dan Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is yours? Is your brain scrambled too? Yes, it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> long day, long day. I, I'm kidding, but uh, I mean, I, I I thought he played pretty good. I mean, like he put a ball on Cody White that he dropped that would have been a big thir- first down. Cody White takes that personal foul, and Luke Campbell takes that for personal foul. That was that was the turning point in the game. From that point on, Michigan State didn't really have a chance. Yeah, but... because because they followed that up with a punt down to the two yard line. Michigan had a 98-yard drive. It was a backbreaker, and they never yeah. looked back. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Once Michigan scored their first touchdown, they were, they just simply outclassed Michigan. Yeah, Michigan State, excuse me. From the 9:50 mark in the second quarter until the 12:15 mark in the third quarter, Michigan outgained Michigan State five uh, 205 to nothing. Yeah, I mean Michigan State only rushed for 54 rushing yards. They tried to establish a run all day, couldn't break anything. I mean. Michigan State's defenses couldn't get off the field either. You look at their third down stats. Michigan went eight for thirteen on third down, and I'm pretty sure they did not like convert their first two or three third downs. So after that, they were just rolling in the they second. They punted, half. I believe, on the first possession of the game. They never punted again. They went for it on the first possession, didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, Michigan State struggled mightily on the defensive end. Shea Patterson looked pretty good. It's pretty sharp. Uh, he was a little shaky earlier in the game. Missed a couple throws. The national uh, offensive player of the week. Yeah, 24-33, 384 yards and four TDs. Probably has his best game in the maize and blue. Ronnie Bell wasn't covered all day, but he had a, he had a very good day. Nine receptions, 150 yards. They literally were not covering the slot, Michigan State football. It was a wild scene. Especially when you play soft zone and you're giving a receiver 15 yards of open green grass it's, every it's, time. It's, no, it's great. You play soft zone. I get that. But you also have a guy like Noah Harvey trying to catch up with Ronnie Bell exactly. after you're playing 10 yards off. I, I saw multiple situations in which Antoine Simmons was on Ronnie Bell, and I'm like, you can't have that. Yeah, you cannot no. have a, a no. linebacker on a slot wide receiver and expect that to go well. Yeah. That's just poor scheme. Yes. And I. You got to give Michigan the credit. They after Michigan State scored that first touchdown, you 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 could feel maybe, hey, this game might be close. Michigan State might be able to like 
muck this game up, score a couple points, and like if they get a defensive touchdown, maybe they win. Something like that. Michigan didn't really panic. They calmed down in that second quarter, and they just played like the better team, which they are. You know what the game was eerily similar to? It's something you alluded to last week. It was a lot like the Ohio State game. Yes. It was almost identical. It's a, I would say Michigan State played better in the Ohio State game, and they were actually like more in that game, if that makes any sense. No, I, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but the feel of the game where oh, yeah. in the second quarter the better team just took control and yes. didn't look back, that's what that's what happened in both these games. Mark D'Antonio now 8-5, and five, this Michigan State team now 4-6, and six, have to win their next two games and become bowl eligible to luckily make maybe the quick lane bowl, which would be a weird sight to see. But uh, I, 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 when I try to like make takeaways for this game, we were talking about this before the show. What is like? What can we say that's not already been said about this Michigan State football team that we saw on the field in Ann Arbor? I think the only thing I'm taking away from this game is the importance of Josiah Scott in this in this oh. Michigan State secondary. You're completely great take because he got hurt on the very first game, second first play, pl- second play. second play of the game, and you immediately go, "Oh boy!" Yeah, not only for coverage issues, which there were a lot of them without yes, him, but tackling. Yeah. None of, nobody on this secondary can make a tackle downfield. Yeah. Like there were there were just green and white bodies bouncing off of Michigan players somehow in this game. And I think yards after catch or after contact was probably like way more than, yeah. than the average because I, I don't know what, you know, David Dowell and Xavier Henderson. I had such high hopes for Xavier Henderson this year. It, he led the team of tackles, actually. I mean, I would hope so because Shea Patterson is is making twenty four completions, and yes. looking like a Heisman candidate. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, just Josh Butler and Trey Person and Klon Gervin—they're all liabilities uh, on coverage, especially yeah. with you know you're going up against the best receiving core in the Big Ten, arguably, yeah. and one of the best in all of college football. But they could not stop anything. And Ronnie Bell had a field day; he didn't even have a touchdown, but had a field day. Uh, yeah, it felt like he had like fifteen catches, but he only had nine. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know about best uh, wide receiver core in the Big Ten. Minnesota would have something to say about. I that. I think Michigan has the most talented wide you, receiver you, you core got, in the Big Ten. You got two potential NFL prospects and two other guys who people have just been raving about the last however many years. They might be deeper. I don't know if they're more talented. Minnesota has two first round picks, but what I so was does Michigan. I, I, that's very debatable. What I was going to say. I think it's debatable that Minnesota has two first round picks too, though. I think Nico Collins is better than either of the Minnesota receivers. It's wild to me how little they throw the Nico Collins because he is so like physically dominant for like a guy in the college game, but sorry for cutting you off. No, that's fine. Um, What I was, what I was going to say was this ushers in a new year. Well, it doesn't usher in, but it really emphasizes that this Michigan State team is not the team it's been in years past. Mark D'Antonio, since the dawn of 2016, so that's taking into account the Alabama game, Michigan State is now under 500. They are 24 and 25, and they are now 15 and 20 in conference over that same span. And that that brings to a bigger point, and that I like I said, there if you've been following this Michigan State football team. It's hard for us to harp on the same things we've been seeing the past five or six weeks, and I, I I think everyone here would be bored out of their gourds, and it would just be uninteresting if we just continued to harp on this game. Michigan was just flat out better. I think the bigger conversation is what happened on Tuesday when Mark D'Antonio said, I will be the head coach 
when we play Northwestern next season, clarifying his future with this program. After all the speculation, maybe he retires. Maybe like Michigan State. Michigan State's not gonna fire him, obviously. Or maybe he steps away. But he's like, I want to complete my circle. I think that's what he said exactly. He believes in that. Kind of put his foot in the stand. Sand saying like, Hey, I'm gonna be here next year. And, and as someone who's followed this Michigan State team throughout his whole era, I, and you allow that. You, there's nothing like. There's no way you're like, Hey. Fire this guy. He he doesn't deserve this chance to do this. I you might be able to say like I have no confidence anymore. I I maybe don't believe in him. He still deserves an opportunity to do this again. What athletic program that believes in winning football allows a head coach to completely ruin a program? After, because he completely made a program for five to six years to something that it never was. In what way is that relevant to building a new winning program? Because if he can't do it, then somebody else should. I don't disagree with that, but at the same time, you have to show a little— I I truly believe like he he probably is not the right guy to lead this Michigan State team into a brighter future. I truly believe that. But at the same time, like the little like like thing I have in my heart is telling me like, you gotta like respect this guy and what he's done here because like it, it, and like and I get it. The last two years have been ugly. The three and nine year was ugly. The, the six like those were ugly. And it, there's no denying that. And they haven't been close to competing to the higher ups in the Big Ten the past two seasons. That and that's upsetting with the talent you had on the field and the hope that you had three years ago. And, and it and you don't see any development on this offensive line. You don't see any development in the secondary. You don't see any development in the offensive play calling or anything. That is. But at the same time, the guy, I, I hate to be that, like, like okay, boomer, but, like, this guy took you to the Rose Bowl. This guy, like, you, you were winning 10 games for five straight years. That's something, as a Michigan State fan growing up, I, I never even imagined. And I think the fact that Michigan State does not have a real AD right now it plays a factor in when D'Antonio, like, leaves. And I just don't – do you want to fire D'Antonio? Because, I, I like, I, I don't. My whole thing is you notice how you keep saying, were, we were this. Yes, we were that. They we are, were. They, we were. We aren't are anymore. No, I and agree. I, I'm going to split the difference with you two here. He needs to be given the chance – if he can understand the fact that the current offensive coaching staff on this roster would not be in charge of a Mac program. Mark Staten, Brad Salem, Jim Bullman, these guys stink. Absolutely are putrid. So I'm not going to go and say automatically fire him regardless. If he can admit that his loyalty has gotten in his way and we can clean house on the offensive side of the ball... I am willing to give him another chance. I am willing to grant him a momentary reprieve. I just have no confidence in him doing it because I think for someone like Mark, if he fires the offensive staff, for someone who's so loyal like him, that's the ultimate acknowledgement of what we've been saying this whole time. Think about it. This is a guy who doesn't fire anyone. This is the ultimate acknowledgement, the ultimate appraisal of what we've been whining about the whole time. And that's his way of saying, I hear you. I acknowledge and things need to change. And he's recognizing it. The frustrating thing is right now, it doesn't look like he's recognizing it. I would be a lot slower to criticize Mark Staten 
given the tight ends he's worked with the last few years. Mark Staden is the was the offensive court. I mean, offensive line coach. Previous two years, I don't know what his position is now. He's currently a tight ends coach, and Matt Dotson has struggled immensely in the last few years and and has tight dropped ends many haven't ball. been bad this year. No, they haven't. Uh, I think Matt Seibert has really come into his own at that tight end position. Trenton Gillison, in the times that he has played, has, hasn't been bad. And I think that those are two players that have developed very well. And I think Mark Staten, of all of the offensive coaches, has done the best job. The The problem with the whole, like, staff shakeup is they, like, they did it basically, like, for, I, I don't necessarily know if these guys aren't coaching the same positions they were, like, previously. That's, like, a conspiracy theory, but, like, they basically just did a little shuffle to basically say, hey, we did something. Like, and, and, and in that shuffle, you move your best, probably, position coach on the offensive end of the ball, Terrence Samuel, to the defensive side of the ball for literally no reason. Guys literally produced every like every Michigan State receiver in the past like 10 years has gone through Terrence Samuel, and they've had a lot of them, a lot of good ones. So I, I didn't get that. And I know what you're saying, Stearns. Like you, at the same time, like after a season like this, it's hard to imagine if he's going to be the coach next season, he's not going to clean house. It's hard to imagine that. And we said that last year too, and he didn't. And he he didn't. And there and you look kind of last year, and you're like, they have talent on this roster. Maybe he can just like a little switcheroo with the play calling will help. It didn't. And he he's he should shoulder all that blame. But I I'm not gonna if you suggest that Michigan State should fire him, that will be something you'll look at in ten years or fifteen years and regret because it, it's basically ousting your best coach in school history, and not showing, like, loyalty. I'm not saying you fire him. I know. But what I'm saying is fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. If we go through the same runaround this offseason where he – says, oh well we're just gonna we're gonna shuffle some shuffle some guys around and we're we're gonna keep the same guys. It's a fireable offense at that point. No, I don't disagree. I'm just saying they're never gonna fire him and I'm in, in the mindset where I would I would never like have the heart to say that's like the right thing to do. And like Stern says, all the things I said about Mark D'Antonio and the accomplishments he had is a were. They're not like that anymore. The program is taking a major step down. They don't recruit as well as they did before. They're, they're not developing guys like they used to. I completely agree with that. And I, I him saying that he will coach that season when they take on Northwestern the first Saturday of the fall next year, like it kind of, it, it's it, it to me, it seems like he's still motivated. It's not like he's like done, like motivated, but I don't have belief in him. I truly don't. But at the same time, I'm not, like, if that makes any sense. I don't believe he's the right guy for this job right now. So then why is he employed? Exactly. Why exactly. is he, How are you going to sit here and say that he's You're, not the right guy for the job? You have no faith that, in that, him. Yeah, guess and what? Then We're we, running a Mickey Mouse operation, and I and <laughs> I abide to that because I, I'm such a homer slash I, I have, like, my heart is telling me one thing, and my mind's telling me something else. That's the exact same, That's the exact reason why Michigan State is in this position right now. No, I know. It's because Mark D'Antonio had the exact same mindset you're having right now. I know. I agree. But you're that. But you're saying don't fire him. Well, I'm. I'm saying you're, you're that you have to. You have to give him a chance. Like Stern said, you have to give him a chance to recognize his mistakes and attempt but, to correct. Well, like them. He had that last year. I'm just saying. Like I, I, I've always kind of accepted throughout this year. Like, hey, Mark, we go out on your own terms, but it's going to be pretty sad for you to 
lose that pretty good record you had against Michigan. It's going to be sad to see your win-loss total and like percentage go way down. It's going to be sad to see that, but I, I, he's built up the credibility in my mind that he can go out on his own terms. Based now, on what I've seen, you don't. From... That, so fire him. Then that's what I'm saying. You're not saying fire him though. You're saying like I'm crazy for saying don't fire him. But th- then fire him then. I'm. I'm. What I'm saying You're is saying that I him. think he still has something left in him. I really do. But he's drowned out by the knuckleheads they have on the offensive side of the ball and. The defensive side of the ball to a lesser extent, I think he can still motivate this team. I think he can still coach this team, but as good of a coach as he is, he gets blinded by his own loyalty, and that drowns out the good coaching that he has. If he can remove that loyalty, which he won't, but talking from a you know hyperbole aspect here, if he's able to do that, there's still something left for him. Okay, I believe that, but I, it won't happen. But that's that's what I agree with. I I agree that Mark D'Antonio can still be a good head football coach it's just he needs to adapt to modern day college football and these coaches the coaching staff he has now won't allow him to do that and if he refuses to move forward with the times it's time to take grandpa's car keys away he's a good coach but one good coach does not drown out 10 bad coaches that's the problem i I, that's the problem i don't disagree but it's his fault they're in this position with these coaches because he's you're 100 right no i know i i'm just saying but I, I, you look, because Dan, it sounds like D'Antonio will be the coach next season. And you look at next season without, like, I, I think everyone agrees that it probably needs to be coaching changes. Probably there definitely needs to be coaching changes. The staff needs to get a little bit younger. And they, they need to be able to go out and get a little bit better. Like, people who don't care about the recruiting rankings right now, I understand that because they were able to develop guys like six or seven years ago. They're not doing that right now. So you got to go out and get a little bit better recruits every once in a while. You can't just like be losing recruiting battles to Purdue. It, you can't be doing that. But I, 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 other than getting rid of the coaching staff, do you see any plausible changes next season with Dan D'Antonio at the helm that like that improves this team? That I mean, it, like pl- plausible is in like what I would like to see happen, or yes. plausible is in yes. I said. From the beginning, after we lost to Arizona State, every offensive lineman should be playing for their starting job. I'm getting really sick and tired of us trotting out the same guys and watching Higby, watching Carrick, they watching Matt Allen, that, yeah. getting his their butts blown to well because they've gotten hurt. Yeah, I, I will. I will say, true freshman Nick Samak has been relatively impressive in he his has. short time. And Duplain, I'm happy we're playing Duplain. But other than that, the problem is I don't want Buter on the field anymore. I don't want Higby coming back. I don't want Jordan Reed's not been good. Yeah. Everybody on that offensive line needs to be playing for their jobs, and I don't have faith that it will happen. I don't, but I wish it would. I really wish it would because they have done nothing the last two years that's worthy of them keeping their starting spot. The biggest problem with this program is loyalty. I think I think developing players the last four years have been atrocious. But Well, yeah, of, of course, but the, the thing that comes with the, the loyalty thing is the seniors are given more playing time, giving a longer leash. Granted, I understand that happens with most programs, but there comes a time where you just have to shorten that leash. I, I also think their offensive line has been horribly coached the last three years. Just been horribly coached. They've been undersized. They were undersized two years ago. Last year, they, they, they put on a little bit of weight. They were undersized still. 
They didn't match up against the best teams in the Big Ten. And this year, you've seen none improvement. No improvement. And I understand Chewins has been out the whole year, a guy you expected to start at left tackle. And Hidby's been, like, floated around. Hidby hasn't really been very good anywhere he's played. It, like, it seem, he seems like a nice guy, whatever, just not that good of a, a college offensive lineman. Like, let's just say how it is. And Luke Campbell, Jordan Reed, guys who started as their freshman year, you do not see development. No. And that 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 is the one thing that puts pause like in like everything I said about Mark D'Antonio, letting him finish out what he started, like letting him go out on his own terms, they're not developing anyone anymore, which is not a good sign at all. Like with Tom Izzo, like when you heard those questions like two years ago when they lost to Syracuse, they it's like ah, is Izzo done? Is he set in his ways? They were still developing guys. You were still seeing seniors. Like you're like wow, how did like Bryn Forbes get so so good? He, he, I understand he was a transfer from Cleveland State, but you know what I'm saying? Like you do Kenny not, Goins. yeah, you, like you just you don't see any of that with Michigan State football this year. You haven't seen Lewerke take a step since his having a really good sophomore year. So I, I don't know what happens next year, but I, I thought D'Antonio's press conference on Tuesday was pretty indicative and interesting to say that he was very clear on what his plans were for next season. So, other than that, do you guys have any any other things to say about Michigan or D'Antonio as we move into the bid time? Let's move into the bid time then. Okay. <laughs> what? I think we've just exhausted all of our energy I know. towards Michigan State football. It's it's so hard to it's so hard to find interesting things to talk about this team at this point of the season. Like uh, like we you could be a homer or whatever, but for the sake of this radio station, I just want Michigan State football to be sort of relevant so I don't have to talk about a four and six team next year too. So we're rooting for going to the Quick Lane Bowl. Hooray! Woohoo! Come on, baby. Let, let's go to Ford Field, Stearns. You'll be there, right? When is it? I don't know. I think it's like two days after Christmas. Nope. I'll be in a cruise. I'll oh, be on a cruise in Puerto Rico. Getting, getting a nice tan. Yes. Get, getting a nice tan. Okay. I want you to vlog the whole thing for me, Stearns. <laughs> Speaking of a guy who does not have a nice tan, Tom Allen, Indiana Hoosiers, nine Indiana, fell just short to Penn State. Did anyone see what Penn State did, by the way? In the final minute and a half of that game, fourth and like three on the goal line, they're up three points. They went for it, got it too. Ballsy play with by James Franklin to have like Sean Clifford do a QB draw. Respect it. Great move by Penn State there. But shout out to Indiana. Looked like they're actually a competent team. No comment. I don't know. If that's ballsy. I, I ballsy. Look at- You're you, instead of going up. It's not like they were up four. They were up three. I think it's just it's just James Franklin's. Stupidity. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> which that, we, yeah. which is on display at least three times a season. His players just like bailed him out. That, that, that's fair because it made zero sense why he did that. I can't. It really does. I can't wait for him to go coach USC and get fired in three years. <laughs> I don't know why he would ever leave Penn State. They love him there. Actually, I, I just think USC seems. He seems like the guy that USC will just throw a ton of money at. Yeah, but he's making a ton of money at Penn State. Yeah, but they'll they'll throw like a buttload of money at him. Yeah. If you're USC, you got to get – I don't think James Franklin, like, this is way off, like, sidetracked, but when you go to USC, you got to get, like, the I, – I understand Pete Carroll wasn't flashy at the time they hired him, but you need a type of guy like that. Not like not a rah-rah guy, but a guy who's, like, a player's guy. P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck is not going to USC. I, I understand, but I, not having P- not signed the contract extension, I think that's the kind of character that you think of, right, when you think USC head coach? I'm thinking like a guy like Mario Cristobal, but I, like he would obviously never go to USC from Oregon. 
But a guy like that where he, you see, like, oh, he can recruit, but he's not, like, over rah-rah. He's, like, the players really like him. Everyone likes him in, like, the his staff. They're all, like, he's very easygoing. You can't have, like, a guy who's going to, like, get on you. Yeah. you I, don't, I don't know. I know this name's been tossed around a lot the last couple of years, but do you think Brett Venables, if they tossed enough money at him, would go? No, I don't. I, I don't. I... I feel like you got to be a head coach before you go play, coach at a place like USC. And Venables has like the greatest situation of all time. Just hang out in Clemson, South Carolina, and just play ACC teams because the ACC is so bad, so bad. Especially the coastal. Oh. Coastal's horrific. It, it's terrible. I don't. I like no one talks about how bad the ACC is. It's crazy. <laughs> they have to me. one team ranked, and it's Clemson. It's insane. No one talks about it. They all stink. Oh, today could this could be the first year ever when we see an unranked ACC team in the Orange Bowl. Think about that. That's crazy. We could. I saw an article. It's like the Orange Bowl has an ACC problem. I'm like, yeah, you do. It, like they de- like they're gonna have like a seven and five pit team in the Orange Bowl this year. Or I love it. It's crazy. The Pit Panthers. Oh my god. Great unis. I, I great unis. Not staying Wisconsin. They play for a trophy. Wisconsin, Nebraska. I didn't know that. That's- so uh, stupid. Yeah. It's like the Freedom Trophy. I, I don't know what it means. It's a stupid trophy. I hope that doesn't have like a really good meeting because I just called it stupid. But uh, Wisconsin 37-21. to 21. Ohio State does not cover 50. Rutgers actually like showed up, I guess. People well, were like proud of like a 28-point loss. You know, I think the thing is Ohio State like quite literally just took their foot off the gas pedal because the there's one team that scored a first quarter touchdown against Ohio State it's Rutgers <laughs> there are only like three teams that led against Ohio State or something like yeah. that and one of them's Rutgers the other one's Florida Atlantic and then there's like Maryland or some weird team I don't know yeah. I don't know the exact teams I'm just throwing out some garbage but that's what I've heard and I think Ohio State just kind of takes their foot off the brake Northwestern won a game that was cool, even though if it was even if it was against like the worst team in the country in UMass, but they won. Good for Northwestern. Hey, UMass covered. I know they did. They by, by <laughs> one point. Huge. By like one point. Yeah, I think that's, they. That's it was, great yeah. for me. Shout out to UMass. Big wild card win for Aiden. Thanks, UMass. And we already talked about it, but Iowa beats Minnesota twenty-three to nineteen. I I believe Tanner Morgan went out of that game with an injury. I don't know what his He's status still in is concussion for... protocol right now. So that that should that should be interesting as they. I believe they take on Illinois this week. That we will see because I didn't type them in the doc. It's on the website. But I, 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 Minnesota. I wasn't like shocked that they came out the way they did against Iowa. By the way, Iowa in the all black pants looked horrible. Minnesota goes up against Northwestern. Northwestern. Sorry, excuse me. I knew that, but still, like you, you, you might not need Tanner Morgan for Northwestern, so you might as well keep him out of that game. But I, I mean, do you guys have, like? With Minnesota going down, does that change your expectations for them going into that Wisconsin game? Like, if they win out, they're still going to the playoff. Yeah, if they win out, they're still going, but, I mean... They're not going to, I, but I'm I, just saying. As much as I want Minnesota to make it to the playoff, the reality of the situation is I just don't think they're talented enough on really any side of the football. I think their offensive line can compete with most teams in the country. Other than that, I don't know. I will say this: Minnesota is going to be so good next year. I didn't like if you look at that roster. You have Morgan coming back. You have Bateman coming back. I think they lose Winfield on the defensive side of the ball, but other than that, they have a bunch of dudes coming back. Collins, you were absolutely right when you said weeks ago 
that Minnesota has like 13 captains. No, it's so stupid. <laughs> I hate it so much. There's C's on like 30 guys' chest. It's crazy. It, it not only was it Tanner Morgan, I think it was the backup quarterback too. Had yeah, Anikstead, I think, because he yeah. was he was actually a walk on from IMG last year. He was a starter too. Yeah. last year yeah. going into the year, but... it's just weird a walk on from IMG at Minnesota. He Bizarre. had like he had like offers from like Maryland and stuff. He just decided to walk on to Minnesota. So bizarre. It's such an awesome Thornton situation. But other than that, Big Ten, a lot of people want by. It's moving to the SRZ Players of the Week. In honor of the Penn State-Ohio State game, you had to throw out a Penn State legend and Detroit Lions legend, Derrick Williams, wide receiver. The SRZ, Derrick Williams, Offensive Player of the Week, for myself, is Brian Heron, the backup running back from Georgia who absolutely smoked that lady photographer. Turns out he was a really nice guy about it. So shout out to Brian Heron. Uh, my, and prayers up to that lady photographer. I yeah, hope, you're, I hope that, you're all right. That looked rough. Uh, yeah. My SRZ, Derek Williams, Offensive Player of the Week, is Bo Melton. Three receptions, 57 yards, and a touchdown against Ohio State. One of the only offensive players that could do anything for Rutgers. Not too bad. My SRZ, Derek Williams, Offensive Player of the Week, is Corey Xavier Sutton, wide receiver from Appalachian State. Eight receptions, 173 yards, three touchdowns. Not too bad to lead the, is it the Mountaineers? Is that what Appalachian yes. State is? Yes. Mountaineers yes. over a big win uh, over Georgia State. Resident Appalachian State fan Nathan, Nathan Stearns. Stearns. Boom, yeah. North Carolina. Let's go. Yep. And segmenting in the bind, I picked Ronnie Bell. And the only reason I did, we've already touched on it. He had nine receptions, 150 yards. But after that Penn State game, it would have been easy to write him off, especially when yeah. you have such a really impressive receiving group. And it wasn't Collins that had an exceptional day. It wasn't Tariq Black. It wasn't DPJ. It was him. And the fact that he has arguably established himself as the most consistent receiver right now for them is nothing short of sensational when you have three guys that are that athletically gifted. Very good point. Very good point. Move on to the SRC. Chris Bordland, Defensive Player of the Week. Shout out to him for just like retiring after four years playing. It, for no, the 49ers. it was after his rookie year he retired. No, it wasn't. He played two years, I thought. I'm pretty sure it was after. Ha- but he was great Wisconsin Badger, great middle linebacker. Oh and yeah, I, he was awesome. I loved watching him. I love I love a linebacker who wears a number forty, except Jared Davis, because I hate Jared Davis because he's so bad for the Lions. But other than that, I, I usually like linebackers who wear the number forty. He played 40. in one year. Is that what so was? he retired he after his too. rookie year? Yeah, he was. A, he was. He had 107 tackles his rookie year and only played in 14 games. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. My SRZ defensive player of the week. Me and Hunt are gonna go back and forth. Miles Garrett. Shout out to Miles Garrett for trying to kill a human on the field. <laughs> that was insane. I I wasn't watching it live. I don't know if you guys were because I was watching a Michigan State Seton Hall basketball game, and my buddy just texts me, "Wow." I'm like, "What do you mean, wow?" Say Miles Garrett just tried to kill a human being on national television, the, and he kind of did. No, like, he, he tried to dent Mason Ram- Mason Ramsey, <laughs> Mason Rudolph, twelve year old. I mean the way the way. Hey, he's thirteen now. The way Sorry. the way Mason Rudolph played, he might as well be Mason Ramsey because he stinks. He's so bad. Oh, he's awful. But I I mean Miles Garrett tried to kill him. No right. remorse either, which is hilarious. To I mean me. he, to be fair, Rudolph did kind of start it but Matt's Kellerman over here no I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not defending point. I'm not no, defending no it you is can't a fair drop point. kick a guy in the nuts and then run away and hide behind a okay, blanket okay when he I'm pretty sure when he kicked him in the nuts that's when Garrett was like trying to rip his helmet off right yes well I I thought it was after that he that he pooched him out uh, all, all I'm saying is Rudolph deserves some of the blame 
Garrett took it way, way too high. That's assault with a deadly weapon if you're on the street. So, I mean, he's lucky that he only got suspended. So, my SRZ, Chris Borland, Defensive Player of the Week, is Marquise Pouncey, the center for the Steelers. Now, you might be wondering, why does an offensive lineman get Defensive Player of the Week? Well, when Miles Garrett tried to murder Mason Rudolph on the field last week, uh, Marquise Pouncey then proceeded to try to also attack Miles Garrett. Uh, defending your quarterback is always a good thing. He got suspended three games for it. I mean, I know Miles Garrett is suspended indefinitely. He's got to get at least 10 games, right? He's, at least. I, I think him being out the remainder of the season is good enough. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the rest of the season, but if it leaks into the next season, I think it might be a little bit excessive. I mean, I, assault with a deadly weapon. Also, yeah. also, <laughs> I don't know how Marquise Pouncey is like even getting suspended. What it, like? If you see that happen to one of your teammates and you don't do any don't do anything, what credibility do you have in that locker it's the room? The NFL just saying you you can't fight three games though. You like can't, you can't, one. you can't throw punches on the field after a guy hits your guy in the head with a helmet. It's, yeah, it's, it's fair game with a weapon. It's the principle of everything. That's you like need, a one game. Like, that's a one game. If in you're my the book. NFL, you have to say, well, I understand that the context is different, but he still threw punches. So we have to suspend them for this amount of time. I, I just saw what Nathan Stern's Defensive Player of the Week is, and I'm very excited for you to talk about it. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to go with the entire Atlanta Falcons defense because as a Carolina Panther fan, it was really great to see Kyle Allen pretty much throw our season down the drain because I thought that if we were able to win that game, we would go 6-4. and four. We lose on the road at New Orleans this week, but you have Washington coming up as putrid. You have Atlanta again. You have Indianapolis, who I you know I thought we'd get to nine wins. But thanks to Kyle Allen for just single-handedly burying us in the Atlanta Falcons, shutting down Christian McCaffrey and making us look like the Detroit Lions. Oh, we that's, were, a low, that's a low blow. Come on. <laughs> we, we were bad. We were bad. Horrific, And I don't know how you lose to a team that has two different defensive coordinators. They got one guy calling first and second down plays. They got another guy calling third down plays. That's wild. And we lost by 26. (laughs) And we scored three points because the Falcons brought their second stringers in and Rivera didn't want the shutdowns. This is a story for another day. But things are about to get really, really spicy in Carolina because I, I think Rivera's going to go after this year. I was going to say I'm surprised he's lasted as long as he has. I mean, I mean I, he's been he's been a, a really good head coach for them, but the last couple of years have been thoroughly disappointing. I realize injuries have been a big part of that, but at the same time, I think the spicy part about it is what they do with Cam. And right, I, I think right now they're getting a little humble pie. They're like getting ready. You're like, oh, we're gonna have the cheap option, Kyle Allen. We'll be able to play the next five or six years for us. We like he can play. He's a top and quarterback in the NFL. And now they're seeing maybe he's not. Maybe he's just like a backup. Maybe he's just a decent below average QB. Because when Cam Newton's healthy, he's no doubt a top ten quarterback in the league. Like, but I, he had. I don't had, know about top ten. I I think he's not top he, ten. He's a, I, he's you, a very serviceable quarterback. When he's healthy, he's never healthy. That's what I'm saying. He won. He won an MVP. Let's let's ask resident Panthers fan. Re- Residents Panthers fan. When the Panthers went to the Super Bowl, what were the weapons Cam Newton was working That's with? That's good. Se- let's see. Ted Ginn, Philly yeah. Brown, Jericho Cotchery, Greg Olson, and yeah. a Jonathan Stewart passes fine. But the the problem lies in the fact that there is perhaps no other quarterback in the NFL who is so dependent on one element of his game. Yeah. If you take away the rushing ability, you go from MVP 
to guy who's bottom tier quarterback level. His, I mean, he can't complete passes. He he was overshooting Kelvin Benjamin, Donovan Funches, and Greg Olson, who are six five. Yeah, and he was overthrowing them. I mean, it's it, he's inconsistent. That's the problem. That's why I say I don't think he's a top tier quarterback. Yeah, but just I, because I, I, I mean, think they still whether health, with them. healthy or not, I think age is catching up to him. Yeah, it was an out of shape Kelvin Benjamin too, right? Yeah, the Kelvin yeah. Benjamin that Booger McFarland once said was a. Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. Yeah. Which is still my one of my favorite quotes of anybody ever. That's kind of mean. Now I can't follow up the fantastic entire Falcons defense with uh anything better than that, really. But Julian Blackman for Utah, cornerback, absolutely phenomenal showing against UCLA. A UCLA team that was quite hot. I gave that pick out to everyone. My I woke up on Sunday morning to my brother saying a couple of explicits to me for telling him to bet on UCLA. It was not a good showing for the Bruins on Saturday night. No, he he had a, a great performance. Yeah, I don't did have... he recover that fumble for a touchdown? I believe so, yes. Yeah, they, they were driving, whatever. Whatever, let's move on to the SRZ Joey Ellis Memorial Powerhouse Frame of the Week. I'll go first. So I know this one is going to ruffle a couple of feathers, but my frame of the week is Frazier from Twitter. He came out with a nice little note to Michigan State football to keep their heads up and to keep playing hard. I thought I thought it was genuine. I thought it was very nice. I thought that uh, Michigan State retweeting it and giving it love was was a good thing, but I know there are some differing opinions in this room. I'm not saying it's not nice. I understand he's a 10-year-old, and I understand it's genuine from him. This is going to be good. But the people on Twitter is like, we need more of this in our life. I'm like, guys, what are we? Like, come on. He's a 10-year-old. Like, like I get what he's saying. Like, he's a, he's genuinely, it's like, it's not, hey, like, football's not everything. And it isn't everything. Winning isn't everything. But, like, the fact that people are like, we need more of this in our life. Winning is everything, actually. You want to have a good time in college? Michigan State football needs to be a little bit better. You you want to make money in the athletic department? Michigan State football needs to win. But no, it's a, it's all right if they like adults just like co-signing this like ten year old is wild to me, and I, like and it's not his fault. Like I, good for him for like he, he was like it was very nice. It was a very nice letter to send, and it, it's something I probably would have done if like a nine year old. But people are like praise this kid. This is how everyone should think. You shouldn't think like that unless you're a loser. So sorry. <laughs> Michigan State fans won't accept the fact that we've learned to accept mediocrity. Oh, yeah. We, we, we want to hold ourselves to a higher standard and whine about we want to go back to the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. But we're a fan base that wants to whine and whine and whine and whine and whine and never wants to do anything about it. Oh, I know. Uh, honest to God. Honest to God. So for me, yes, is it nice? No, it's but nice from like the. I kid. mean, we are we are the generation of participation medals. So, oh, yeah. with with that being with that being said, um, I'm I'm along more along the lines of Collins, man. You, you can't say we need more of this when this is the product that we're watching. I would rather watch paint dry than watch us play Rutgers. It's oh, that wow. bad. No, they're no, they're just like put this in, like people need to put this in perspective. I. I was about to say something very wildly, probably not like okay to say in the air, but like it, like it's crazy to like it's just a kid giving a note. It's just a note. It's just like I don't know why it's blowing up. It doesn't make any sense to me. And how much you want to bet those people that were saying we need to keep in perspective are the ones that are screaming and cussing out yes. D'Antonio and throwing things at the TV on Saturday. Yeah. How much you want to bet that? A lot of them are like that. that. That's the thing, though. It's a, it's a bunch of angry people that read that and said, "Wow, 
Maybe I shouldn't be as angry. Yes. And that I, will last until Saturday. Yeah, it will. <laughs> you're it will, like, I, you're the, right. The whole part with the worky, like, responding to that tweet, that was nice. Like, all that. Like, I get he's had his issues with social media and, like, people getting on him. That's nice. But, the like I said, the, like, people taking it as gospel to me was wild. Wild. Because you're just accepting being a loser. And I don't accept being a loser in my life, so sorry. Yet you still want Dan. Yet you still want Mark here. Except I shouldn't say football. I accept the loser. Do you have any takes on this hunt? I yeah. I that was a hypocrite. I I don't think I have anything to add. I think it's all been said. You stuff. I I take a a little bit from from every opinion. I think. Okay. Yeah. I'll go nuts. Scott Frost, my frame of the week. Oh man. I I mean, I I I just caught him on the TV barely on Saturday, and I was like, "That's my frame of the week. Looks great." And they sort of put up a fight against Wisconsin, so he's go got, got that contract extension. He, too. He's got an extension. I didn't Makes know no that, sense to me. Hey, no up. sense. Guess what? They're in better standing than Michigan State football is, so it's send, whatever. Send them back to the Big Twelve. So my SRZ Jilly Ellis Memorial Powerhouse Frame of the Week. What you don't want me to, to wait? Wait. Oh, I thought you were saying Scott Frost back to the. Oh, no, Nebraska. The oh. I think they would rather be in a bit 12, too, but they should ahead. be. My SOZ, Joey Alice Memorial Powerhouse Frame of the Week is Tim Donaghy. Yes, that Tim Donaghy, the disgraced NBA referee. Did you listen to Pardon My Take today? I did. It was a great interview on Pardon My Take with Tim Donaghy about the whole scandal. If you don't remember it, this man was betting on games when he was a referee in the NBA. It was the first. Sounds like a bulletproof scheme. It, yeah, really. It was the first uh, like major sports scandal I can remember in my lifetime. Like having an actual like, oh wow, that's like that's happening in in, in sports. It was oh seven, I believe. Yeah, it was that and the Reggie Bush thing, pretty much yeah. the same year. Uh huh. And it was it was just bananas. And he had a movie come out recently about the whole situation. He was on Pardon My Take today. He's uh, he wrote a book. And I found out today, I did some research, but that the publisher didn't pay him for the book, and he sued them, got $1.3 million out of it. Good for uh, him. Good so, payout. You know, I, I, he's just on, on fire right now, Tim, and, Tim and, Donaghy. And it was like the Malice at the Palace, like 15-year anniversary, it's, and yep. he was the official there. Yes, he's also the- That was one of the wildest things I've ever watched in my life. I was five years old, I was like, what is going on? That was insane. Does it put into perspective the whole- Rudolph and Garrett thing. When we look back at the Malice of the Palace. Jermaine O'Neal almost killed a human being. So did Steven Jackson. Ron Artest might have killed a human being. Don't you mean Meta World Peace? No, he was he, he was <laughs> still around Artest. I know. <laughs> Bro, I, there will never be something like the Malice of the Palace. I'll never forget Rashid Wallace's huge legs just like coming way over the storage table trying to get in the stand. Yeah, and meanwhile, like, Tayshon's just sitting on the bench fiddling his thumbs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's so, like I will never forget that. When you just see Rashid going in like the stage, like, oh boy, you just see his legs coming. I, I was dying. I thought that always made me laugh. But yeah, shout out to the Mouths of the Palace and Stearns. Finish us off. Give me Chris Creighton in Eastern Michigan, baby. They finally beat Northern Illinois. They're going to a bowl game again. And that's every Division One school with the exception of Michigan State in the state of Michigan that's going bowling. For me, if tomorrow it was announced that Chris Creighton became the head coach of Michigan State, I would cry myself a river of tears of joy. I love this man. What he has done with Eastern Michigan football is nothing short of sensational. Yep. Three times in four years, they're going bowling. You want to talk about recruiting just dirt crap talent. I might have been able to play for Eastern Michigan if I was five inches taller and had a degree of athleticism. But, man, I love that guy. They are so good. And especially 
with what I grew up with, as bad as they were, they're so bad. They didn't make a bowl game. I got it pulled up here. They made the California Bowl in '87. Didn't go again until 2016 under him. 2018, the Camellia Bowl. I mean, they've had one. They had one good year in '87, and that was it. No, but they they've made themselves on par with Central and Western, which is something. Like I guess, like their game day experience is not the same as those two universities. Oh, Ryan Earson's horrible. Yeah, but still, they're like they've updated their facilities a little bit. I think TJ Lane donated to get them like a. But I, you're right. That's an that's a marvelous coaching job. I don't. No one talks about him either. I would, he's a guy that should pop up in more coaching searches. I would if we hired him to be an OC tomorrow. I would be thrilled. Oh, I absolutely. He's, thrilled. he's past the point of OC though. He's like. I could see him being a guy maybe like Rutgers takes a swing at. Why not? I mean, he b- built built it up from the dirt at Eastern. Can't be harder at Rutgers. Yet you have a decent recruiting base. I don't know. Uh, that's a great pick, though. Great pick. Let's move into this. Sweet Stamps in the Big Ten. Penn State, Ohio State, big one. Talked about that later on the picks. Minnesota, Northwestern, noon kick, Ryan Field, ABC. Uh, Tanner Morgan may go, may not go. Minnesota's going to crush him regardless, so. PU and uh, Illinois, Iowa, and Iowa City. Lovey Smith and the boys still trying to get get into that Indianapolis. What if Illinois made it to Indianapolis before Michigan? It's not gonna happen, but how funny would that be? That'd be hilarious. And then, uh, of course, I I think sneaky the best game of the weekend: Michigan, Indiana at Indiana. Barry, we'll talk about that on the pickem too, but. Indiana's interesting. Like, they're not horrible. And, like, say what you want to say about their game day environment. There's going to be, it'll probably be, like, 75% full, but that'll be a loud 75% like percent full, like, Memorial Stadium. And they've already, they've always played U of M tough, even when they haven't been good. Yes, you're correct. They've always played Indiana really tight, and that's the prototypical trap game. Yes. That's the prototypical trap game where if you're caught looking ahead to Ohio State, I th- you will lose. I think they've played Indiana before Ohio State a couple times, and I saw a stat today, Michigan is 0-3 in the last three years of covering the spread the, day, the game before Ohio State. Well, it's always a 7-10 point game going into the fourth. It's always yes. too close for comfort. I mean, they, they almost lost an OT, but I, I don't, was that Harbaugh's year when they almost, yeah, it was. Harbaugh's first year when they almost lost in Memorial Stadium. Other than that, Nebraska, Maryland, no one cares about that. <laughs> Four o'clock kick, Wisconsin, Purdue. Purdue's like dead still, so I, I mean, Wisconsin should run it up on them. But l- l- let's dig into this. The be- the biggest game in the Big Ten this week, Michigan State Rutgers at noon. Just kidding. Maybe though, may- like Stern said, I would rather watch paint dry than watch this football game. Do you have any reason to watch this football game? Um, Other than this podcast? I was going to say this podcast. Other than that, I, I maybe you see a couple backups like younger guys coming. I'll, I'll say this: Rutgers is only two wins are to Liberty and UMass, and their closest loss in Big Ten play twenty eight to Illinois. Yeah, man, Rutgers. The game last year against a, a very they similar lost Rutgers, it too. Rutgers team was one of the most painful experiences I've ever had in my life, let alone watching football. That was one of the worst football games I've ever seen. It was, it, it was so frustratingly annoying. Just watching the game, it was it, it made me feel sick, like legitimately sick. It was unlike any feeling I've ever had before watching any sporting event. Yeah. I felt physically ill watching that game. And it'll be even better in a empty 
Piscataway State. Where is their stadium? Their stadium is like something preposterously like they definitely it's like an ad. It's like yeah. SHI or something, isn't it? It's like a power solutions company. I'm like, okay. I probably shouldn't have that on your stadium. You, you, but... know, you know what this game is reminding me of? Do they still have hot tubs in their student section? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for I, I have off. no idea. But this game, it, it gives me the same kind of feeling that it would be like walking through an empty Sears that you know is about to close. It's just like that is a fantastic just an eerie, empty, like borderline nostalgic feeling where you're just like, man, this game, I mean, like four or five, six years ago would have been meaningful, but now it means absolutely nothing. That's like every November game for Michigan State at this point. (laughs) Like at this point, you're just like, oh, like five or six years ago playing Penn State and for like the go to the Big Ten Championship. But I know you're, it's like, that's a great analogy, by the way. As a as a kid whose mom who worked for companies that dealt with Sears and Kmart, and she used to take me to like go look at products and stuff. She'd be like, "Gosh, what is going on with Kmart? It's like the empty little Caesars like attached to the Kmart is there, and it's just like dingy." I'm like, "What? How is Kmart like successful? And I, I didn't get it. Whatever. Good, good analogy. Very good analogy. But other than that, I mean, is there anything Spartan fans to take away from this game? No." No? No. Only bad things. I think there is reasons to watch this game because there's been rumors Speedy Nailer will play this week. I don't know if he was on the depth chart. Did they release a depth chart on Tuesday? I, they I, did. They, they did. did. I didn't even see the depth chart because all the news coming out about D'Antonio's future. But I, I think you'll see a lot more younger guys. And if Michigan State starts putting it on Rutgers like they should. Nailer's on the depth chart. Nailer is on the depth chart. I believe he's on a play this week. He was full going warm-ups. He just didn't go. He, like, didn't participate in practice all week. So I think Nailer will go this week. You, you, you'll see him maybe. And I think you're going to see your backup quarterbacks this week if they put it on him. And even if they don't, if they're not putting it on him, I think they'll be in regardless. So I think you're regardless going to see Rocky Lombardi or Theo Day. I'm a hog molly kind of guy, so I want to see Samick and I want to see Duplain. That's oh. the only reason I'm going to be looking at the trenches. That's okay. the only reason. Do you, do you, they've played Dobson, I believe, four games now, right? I <sighs> they, they played him in the last couple snaps since Michigan. I think, no, like three games. So you got two to go with the bowl game. You burn his red shirt. Would I? No. Will they? Yes. Okay. I say you do. I say you play him. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but why not? Because this season means nothing. I'd rather have his eligibility if there ever comes a point three years down the line when we really need him. I get that, but at the same time, what? Yeah. I I, I usually follow by that like logic of thinking, but I also think it's invaluable to get playing time when the season's really like there's no pressure. Yeah, they, but it's not can, like, like he's, getting, your... he's getting one, two drives max. That's what I'm saying. You give him some playing time. But not it's not enough, I think, to really get what what are you gonna gain playing Rutgers third stringers? No, you're right. You're right, you're right. You've changed my mind already. I don't know. I, I, I'm just spitballing at this point, trying to make this team somewhat interesting. It's not. It's this not. There will be probably a thousand people at this game. Less? Over under five thousand people. No I, I, ten thousand. I think I think it will be hovering probably around like eleven, twelve thousand people. Because there'll be a lot of Michigan State fans from New yeah. York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shouldn't go to that game. Do something else. New York has a lot of things to do. I'm just saying. I thought you meant the Michigan State football team. <laughs> no, <laughs> they shouldn't go to that game. They shouldn't go to that game. <laughs> I, I would go somewhere else. Go watch like tennis or something. It'd be better. Let's move the pitch. 
Well, and guess what? Ryan, if you can hear the pits in the background, Ryan Collins forgot to plug in the thing to his computer, so you can't even hear the music. It's, it's going to just come and hit us right in the face, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. yeah. It's, that it's was a great be... pop right there. I got, I there got tired, go. I got right, tired right, of being I, able to hear. Right, let's go over the records. Joe Dandron, we're waiting for him to come into the studio and make his way in. But uh, last week, we did pretty good last week. I'm, I'm impressed with our performance. I did very good last week. So our big losers, Alex McRae and Joe Dandron at three and four. If, if three and four is our big loser, that's a good week. So jo- you, shout out to Joe Dandron who said he went five and two on Twitter. He <laughs> went three and four. He doesn't know how to count. Uh, I am next. I went four and three. I was the middle of the pack. Eric Bach, five and two. And then big winner last week, Ryan Collins went six and one. Shout out. Let's go. That's a big week for Collins. Should, Collins, I, should I start gambling again, guys? Probably shouldn't. Collins uh, did leap Alex McRae in the overall standings. He's at 38 and 42 on the season. McRae, you're at 36 and 44. Ooh. Eric Box at 36 and 38. I am at 43 and 37. Joe Dandron in the lead, 45 and 35. Nathan Stearns, you are actually in last, last place. You're 0 and 7 on the season. It's yeah. all right. He's going to make it up this week. I hope. I hope. I, hope. I, hope I, got, I got to get off the schneid. Okay. Got to get off the schneid. We're going to start off what I think is the biggest lock in college football this week. And we're going to start off with the game in Piscataway. Rutgers plus 20 and a half. And it's a Michigan State Spartans. This game will be on FS1 noon kit. I think Michigan State's in a house Rutgers. House Rutgers. I love this line. I think Michigan State wins going away pretty easily. I think they cover 20 and a half pretty easy. Joe Dandron making his way into the studio. About to probably hit Aiden Hunt's charger. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, I'll go. I'm going to have to agree with you, Collins. I think Michigan State exercises some demons here. In the spirit of Frazier, they go out there and they tear down those Scarlet Knights. I need, I need some uh, some scores from the two of you gentlemen. I believe it'll be 48 to 14, Michigan State. I'm sorry. If you think Michigan State's going 48 points, you are hammered. 42 to 14, Michigan State. That's six State. touchdowns. Have you seen? Rutgers is so bad. Like, give, yeah, Rutgers is horrible. Give me Michigan State 45, Rutgers 9. Wow. What a terrible number. Man. I guess I'll go next. I I don't like Michigan State to cover in this game. Okay. I, I know that might be heresy based on, on the the absurd numbers you two are putting up there. I think Michigan State wins uh, this game 21-3, to 18-point win, and that's being generous, I think. I like Rutgers to cover. Give Start. me Michigan State. Yeah, I, I've gone back and forth on this, but I would be foolish to ever put any faith in the Scarlet Knights whatsoever. Give me Michigan State 35-7. Our fearless leader, Joe Dandron, makes his way in the studios in perfect timing. Oh, yeah. Who do you like, Rutgers or Michigan State? Oh, man. There it is, baby. There's the Joe Dandron. Oh, man. Here okay, we go. Okay. Who do you like? The leader in the clubhouse. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, the lead. It's dwindling. dwindling. You're still 10 games over 500. Yeah, it's okay, but I only got a three-game lead on Hunt. So Two game. Two game. Yeah, see, dwindling. So, uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because it's on the road at Rutgers. You never know. Yeah. 20, our, our 20 lead- and a half is a lot of points. So, I'm going to go Rutgers as my phone just dinged. Okay. Yeah, your lead course. I'm gonna up. go Rutgers, but it's still gonna be safe victory for Michigan State, 34-17. Okay, that's. A, uh, I don't know I, how I, you you guys have so much faith in this offense to score so many touchdowns. Did you watch have the you Western s- game? Have you seen Rutgers? Yeah, I was gonna say this team has scored points against bad defenses. Yeah, they can put up some points. Ohio State only beat them by 28. 
What? Yeah, and they well, dropped 56. Yeah. Only beat him by 28. Okay. I, I Whatever. We move on to the biggest game in the bid time this weekend. The number two Buckeyes laying 18 and a half points in the shoe. And it's a number eight Penn State Nittany Lions. Big noon Saturday on Fox. College game days in Columbus. And this line is massive. Minus 18? Is that right? Did someone someone go what? first? What? Yeah, okay. This is a square pick, but I... Joe, 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 I, want Joe I want Joe to go first. All right. Okay. You know what I mean? Because I got, you know, Columbus ties. But You're Ohio State. I, I will say this. The Penn State Nittany Lions have not let me down. Okay. Give go. me Penn State. Okay. Alex McCray. The, the line has moved up. It's now 19 points on Bovada. Absolutely We're, crazy. I think this is a the the biggest sucker line I think I have ever seen. I, Vegas knows something here. They know something. I'm picking Ohio State. Uh, I I looked at this game, 18 and a half, 19. It doesn't really matter because it's basically the same number in football numbers because if you're going to win by – like, it's almost fiscally possible to yeah. lose by 19. But – I, I'm falling in for the sucker. 18 and a half is too many points for a game that Penn State's circles on their calendar every single year. Penn State doesn't really have a rival, and they just kind of looked at Michigan and Ohio State as their biggest games of the year, and they kind of hyped themselves up as rivalries because they both historically great programs. I, I, I think Penn State will come out in the first half, and this game will be close because I do think Penn State's defensive line will be able to get pressure on Justin Fields. I like Penn State. I don't know if they can store enough points to stay with Ohio State for the majority of the game, but I do think they'll cover 18 and a half. Nathan I, Stearns. Oh, boy, I've gone back and forth on this, too, because 18 and a half is a big line, but I'm going to go with Ohio State at the shoe. It's hard to not pick against Ohio State at the shoe, and I think we've learned when it Noon comes to big kick, games. Though. Noon kick, But well, I can't bet with James Franklin. Okay. I, I can't. I, I I'm going That's along fair. with Hunt here. This That's is fair. one of those games where he's going to make a couple coaching decisions where you're going to need an aspirin after because it's <laughs> going to be that much of a pain in the butt to watch. Give me Ohio State. All right. 34. You don't have to give a score for this one. Oh, God. You're going to put me on the spot here. <laughs> you don't need to. You, you don't, don't need, need a score. To. Give me Ohio State 34 You don't need a score, but you we'll don't need take a score. It. Stearns. Hey, let's give it anyway. Um, 18 and a half is a lot of points. I like Ohio State to spank Penn State. Three scores at least. Okay. Okay. All right. Me and Dan are going with Penn State. I feel pretty hey. good about myself now. The Nittany Lions, man. Yeah, yeah. The, that that is their mascot, Joe. But uh, let's move on. Move on to another game in the Big Ten. 3:30 kick on ESPN. The nine Indiana Hoosiers. Plus nine and a half at Memorial Stadium as the number 13 Michigan Wolverines come into Bloomington. I love Michigan in this spot. Love Michigan in this spot. I think there's been a lot of talk about Michigan looking ahead to next week against Ohio State. I just don't see it. I think this team's kind of hit their stride. They're, and the thing about it, they can put up points against like below average defenses, and they have the skill set to like going to go away like they, they they really could like because their corner like their wide receivers are so physically just like better than the majority of the middle tier teams in the big 10 and i think michigan will just put up like 35 or 42 on this indiana defense and i do think they cover nine point nine and a half points yeah i'll go next here and i gotta agree with you as much as i would like to see indiana 
you know, win nine games, complete the hashtag nine win Deanna. I I don't think it happens. I think this Michigan team is on a different level than they've been under Jim Harbaugh. I think this might be the best they've played. And looking at this this spread, I just I I don't see how Michigan doesn't cover this. Give me Michigan as well. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's a one possession game at half, but they need one good quarter. And I think as you, the game continues to go on in the third and the fourth, they're going to see Mo- Michigan slowly start to establish their dominance. Give me the Wolverines by nine and a half. The thing, Michigan didn't run the football last weekend against Michigan State. It was all through the air. I think if they get the run game going, that's not like against Indiana. It could get ugly. Huh. I don't know why. I know I should not make this pick. I like Indiana to cover. Okay. I, I think Michigan wins this game by a score, but I, I don't know. Is is Michael Penix still out? Yes, but I, they I played Payton, pretty well with Peyton Ramsey. Peyton Ramsey did not look bad last week against Penn State. I, I'll take Indiana to cover. It's at home, but yeah, Michigan still gets the win. Did your mic just go off? I can't. Yeah, yeah I can't no, hear you. Your, your mic, your mic is, is not working. So go to Hunt's mic and tell. Tell them what's going on. So I'm gonna go with uh, the Hoosiers as well, Indiana. Okay. I don't. Okay. I don't. Because I don't know. I like. I feel like Michigan. It could be a little bit after that emotional win. I mean, obviously it was a blowout, but could be a little emotions there and they the look aheads. I like Indiana to cover. Okay. I don't hate that fact. I get the look ahead factor, but I think it's been so so stated in the media that this Michigan team will be ready for an Indiana team. That is not as bad as they've been in previous years. Like, it's not going to be hard to get up for Indiana because they're an actually competent team. Move on. Let's go to the Big 12. Number 14, Baylor. Minus five and a half as they welcome in in-state rivals, Texas Longhorns. 330 kick on FS1. Who, 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 who's the better coach, Tom, Tom Herman or Matt Rule? Matt Rule. I mean. Are you taking Baylor then? I'm done with Texas. Done with I, Texas. I, I, I've, I've bet on them so much this year, and they have never come through for me. I'm done with Texas. Give me Baylor. Okay. Give me Baylor as well. Texas is one of those teams where you don't know what you're going to get, man. And it's a five-and-a-half-point line. That's it. Give me give me Baylor. Did you guys, I, I kind of believe in a hangover effect from what happened last Saturday. I'm going to take Texas. I think I, – I, I think plus five and a half for Texas is pretty good value. They still have one of the better quarterbacks in college football in Sam Ellinger. I think they maybe win this game, but I do think this is a field goal game. I think it's going to be tough for Baylor to get off the mat. A little body blow theory. I think the first half you'll see Texas be up by at least a touchdown or more than that. It's just going to be one of those things, and then Baylor will crawl their way back. But I, 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 I truly believe Texas will cover. Yeah, I don't. I, I have the opposite opinion. I think after the collapse against Oklahoma, I think Baylor comes into this game pissed off. I think they beat Texas bad. I think Texas is just as, if not more, dead than Michigan State. I like the Baylor Bears to cover and win by a, a, a good a good bit. Yeah, rough rough showing for Texas after they said they were back. Yeah, not good. Your mic is not working, dude. Come on, Joe. Hey, what? What? I thought you t- looked at me like it was working. No. All right. I thought you said that, so. No, I didn't, but continue. All right. Who do you like? I'm going to go with Baylor as well. Okay. I, Texas okay. is no good. Okay. Texas is no good. It's a good one. For the Battle of L.A., both these teams are kind of down 
considering the expectations they usually have. Number 23, USC welcomes the UCLA Bruins, led by Chip Kelly, into the Coliseum, laying 14 points. This game will be on ABC 330 kick. And I'll tell you, boys, I- I've sipped the UCLA Kool-Aid the whole year, and I'm still sipping it. I think 14's way too many points in a game like this. Give me UCLA. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same thing as you, Collins. I don't even think 14's too many points. I think UCLA wins outright. I think I- this just smells like a game that USC just stinks up the place. They go into the Coliseum. And UCLA they just- can score on people, and-, and they didn't do that against Utah. But I'm USC's just, saying- just going to suck in this game. I like the Bruins to win outright. Okay, that's a I, I USC's offense is fine and they've played pretty good this year. They've had a brutal schedule. Joe Dandron, who do you like? I'm gonna go with the Bruins as well. Actually, I take it back. I'm Trojans. going with USC. Because I don't I don't get really get why they're ranked, but I'll go Trojans. Yeah, that is kinda weird how they're ranked. Makes you think. Yeah, I'm not going to deviate from the path here. I'd pick USC to win, but they're not going to cover 14. That's a lot for a team that's really been up and down all season. You know, I'm not sold on UCLA. Uh, no one, I mean, they've been good the last couple of weeks, but they weren't I'm good not, last week. I'm not sold on them. I'm picking USC to cover. Another game in the Pat 12. The Arizona State Sun Devils getting 14 and a half points as the number six Oregon Ducks comes into Tempe. The 7.30 kick on ABC. This game is very interesting to me. Not a lot of ranked battles this week, but this game smells like trouble for Oregon. This is the typical Pat 12 game. It's at night. It, it, like, it just feels weird. The team, Oregon is so much more talented than Arizona State, but stuff just happens. I don't know if Jaden Daniels is playing in this game, but I, I like Arizona State to cover 14 and a half. They have a good defense. They might have a good defense, but they haven't played well against the spread at home. They're only 1-4 against the spread at home. Math guy. So I'm picking the Ducks. Yeah, I am too. I'm going to go with Oregon. I like to pick on what I know. I know this Arizona State team pretty well. I like Jaden Daniels, Eno Benjamin, and the Sun Devils to at least cover 14.5 at home. Is Jaden Daniels playing? I know he's been hurt like for weeks, but okay. Joe Daniels. I don't care. I. Oregon, they only got one loss. Arizona State's got five. So, Oregon it is. Great logic there from Joe Danger, our leader in the picks. And we move on to our wild card. <laughs> I didn't do very hot. Like I said, I took UCLA. They lost by 46. One and four on the wild card last week. That's not very good, boys. Not very good. Not very Let, good. Let's start off with our guest, Nathan Stearns. I like his wild card pick. I am. I'm, I'm picking with my heart on this one. Benny LeMay and the Charlotte 49ers are going to knock off the Marshall Thundering Herd from 15,000 from 15, stadium seating, Jerry Richardson Stadium. Give me the Charlotte 49ers. We'll go to a bowl game finally, and maybe we can finally get a stadium that doesn't resemble a D3 university. Are they? Wait, is Jerry Richardson the guy who owned the uh, Panthers? Yes, he's he's also the guy that helped yeah. to fund the entire stadium, and it's the fact that there's any Division One team out there that's in the Conference USA that has fifteen thousand seats. That's obscene. No, obscene. Well, I was just isn't he like problematic? It's a complicated matter. <laughs> okay. he, he's, yeah. he's got a mixed legacy in Carolina. Yeah, okay. I was about I was to gonna, say. I was going to say, we'll get a complete Carolina Panthers history lesson from yeah. Nathan Stearns here yeah. if, we, if we ask for it. McCray, let's hear it. So my pick has typically been... Fade McCray on the wild card. He doesn't the pick get any of that. Yet you haven't got one right this year. Not one. But you know what? This week, I guarantee, guarantee 
that this pick is correct. You're 0-11, just so you know. <laughs> I guarantee that I will be 1-11 next week, and that's Minnesota covering 14 over Northwestern. Northwestern Dang it, that was mine. <laughs> Northwestern is 0-6 against the spread at home, and that continues this week. You understand the wild card pick. You guys can take the same pick. I know, I know. I just don't want to. Uh, come back to me. This is, I've said this really weeks, and you guys just can't get over the fact that someone has the same pick as you guys. It triggers me. Triggers yeah. me. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know that, that you could pick the same one. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, is that really a surprise yeah, no, at this not, point? It's not a surprise. Is that really a surprise? That's why you had to always go with some of the most obscure games, guys. Yes. All right, so I'm just going to go. Let's hear it. Let's hear point. it. So I'm going to go University of Southern Miss against... Western Kentucky, Southern Miss laying minus four. So I'm going to pick Southern Miss in that one. Love it. The Golden Eagles, I believe what's what they're called. Did Brett Favre go to Southern Miss? He, he did. did. Yeah. And so did uh, the backup from last year's 49ers team. Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. Nate Mullins? Nick, Nick Mullins? Nick. Nick Mullins? Whatever. I, I'm the, I, I've stayed in the Pac-12. I had a little success. Had no success last weekend. Colorado plus 14 at home at night against a Washington team. I, I don't think their defense can stop anyone. I don't really get this line. I like Colorado plus 14 at home. Is that it? No, nah, I'm still yeah. me. I, that's what I'm saying. I, we're waiting for the Pitts commissioner. I know. McCray's making me sad, but also he needs a win in the Pick'em. Why? Just take the same game. I, I don't I don't want to take the same game. Oh, my gosh. But I do. I, okay, I, I'm going to take the same game. I Thank have to. you. It, it's too good of a line. 14 against Northwestern. Are you kidding me? That's, yeah, that's the no. dumbest line I've ever seen. I don't care if Tanner Morgan doesn't play. The Golden Gophers are going to win by way more than 14. <sighs> good week to the pit drum. I mean, that I that irritates me to no one for some reason. It was, a, it was a fun episode. Yeah. I mean, it was super long. A lot, like very long. It happens. It happens, yeah. It does happen. But thank you, Nathan Stearns, for coming on again. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. A lot of fun. I need I, that. I, but when we get to bowl season, I need Nathan Stearns' knowledge of all the Carolina schools because he's got immense knowledge on random Charlotte 49ers stats, Appalachian State stats. We, we're going to need you back. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. And Panthers talk. So I need. <laughs> why? Why are you going to make me relive it? Why? 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 <laughs> I need to share. Funny. I need to share a, a stat real, real quick. Next week's Iron Bowl is going to be the most anticipated game for me, I think, so far this season. I'm really excited for it. I think Auburn's going to win. Here's without a stat. Tua I, now, yeah. Here's a stat I heard. Well, even before, uh, before I know you said that, Tua's but been. without Tua now, it makes sense. So in the Nick Saban era, he is eight and four against Auburn. Yes. In years that Auburn wins eight or more games, Nick Saban is zero and four against Auburn. They, yeah, he's beaten some horrible Auburn teams. Like the year after they won a national title, didn't they go one and eleven or something like that? It was not good, not good, not good. Shout out to Michael Dwyer who was on that team and on the national title team. Good episode today, boys. We're not heading to Rutgers this week, thank God. Is your mic working now, Joe, or no? No. Okay, Joe's mic's off. We thank Joe for coming on the show for the last couple minutes he's a busy man but like i say every week follow all of our coverage at wdbm on twitter all social platforms and online follow nathan stearns great women's basketball stuff right nate yeah let's get well we got, we got we got she is a stud stud she all all american she's gonna be an all american in the making i'm telling ne- you she i mean nia cloud and stud 
Joe's Joe's shaking his head, but I believe. But thanks for Nate for coming out. Wait, you have one more thing to say. I do. I I know the music stopped, but can I change my wild card? No, you can't. It's Be, no. I'm because, not. Uh, I'm not end the show right now. <laughs> I'll stop recording. Just cut his mic. Because a, cut a his line mic. moved. Cut his, mi- cut his mic. A line moved. I really like. No, no, I'm not allowing it. Not a lot. Cut his vine. Like Jim Rome. The yeah. Joe, Joe Dandron unplugged my microphone. No, you can still hear it, but that's just, I don't think that's how the mic thing I works. plugged it back in. Okay. But uh, again, thanks for listening. Hope you guys see us next week for Ryan Collins, Alex McCray, special, special guest Nathan Stearns, senior member of the crew, Aiden Hunt. I had to mention senior member of the crew, and Joe Dandron. Thanks for listening, Astros. See you guys next week. You have been listening to Spartan Red Zone, a production of Impact 89 FM. For more Michigan State sports news, visit impact89fm.org slash sports.